Hi, everybody. This podcast was recorded in the living room of a condo downtown in Toronto. Uh, we just had one microphone, but we really wanted to have a chat and get something down. So uh, hope you enjoy it. Excuse uh, me being very echoey in the background uh, and enjoy Ellie and Natalie presenting the geology from E2 Gold Corp's current projects in Ontario. Good day, everybody, and welcome back to Spotlight Mining on tour in Canada. I'm Liam Hardy and I'm very happy to be joined by Ellie and Natalie from E2 Gold Corp. So you're both involved with uh, E2 Gold Corp. Uh, maybe introduce the company very briefly for us. Whereabouts are you based and, and what are you looking for? Sure. So we are a gold exploration company, early stage. Um, we have a project in North Central Ontario. It's between Timmins and Hemlow. It uh, has a starter resource on it. And the project itself is very large. It's 75 kilometers long. Um, that's about 540 square kilometers. Um, so lots of geologic targets on it. And what we're trying to do as a company is take our resource or any other resource we find on the property, bring it to one to two million ounces with room to grow and sell it to a miner or send it on its way. We're not really uh, miners ourselves, we're explorationists. And so that's really our goal with the company. We've been around for a year and a half, uh, started during COVID. And in that time, we've moved forward extremely quickly. We took the company public in December 2020, started our first drill program after having raised $3.4 million in an oversubscribed IPO, um, finished that and started completed another financing, again oversubscribed $5.6 million, and that was on the back of a lead order from Crestcat Capital, who came in at over, 11 per, or over 10%. And from there, we've started our phase two drilling program, which is really designed to start to broaden out um, a long strike and at depth of that resource to start to understand the footprint of the resource and see where we want to go after that. Yeah. That is the elevator pitch. All in That's one the minute. elevator pitch. There it <laughs> awesome. is. So Natalie, you're Vice President of Exploration with the company. Um, is the geology you're looking at here, is it the same as the project, regular projects we look at in Timmins uh, around Kirkland Lake? Is it the same sequence of, of rocks you're in? Well, we are in Archean Greenstone Belt and we are uh, located on, on a large-scale regional shear structure, so there are definitely similarities to those camps. We're in the process of understanding uh, the alteration assemblage to see if there are similarities, but yes, we are regionally in the same context. And what sort of scale are you seeing uh, the alteration on at the moment uh, from what you've seen at the surface? We're seeing it on the order of um, meters at depth at the moment, but on strike, our resource at the moment is 3.5 kilometers long. And we're trying to work out what that alteration is across the zone to see if it's similar across or if there's different areas that are, have different alteration assemblages. Yeah. So one of the biggest problems I've heard in Northern Ontario, and I was finding staff, uh, there's a shortage <laughs> of core cutters, same in every industry, that there's no one to wait tables, there's no one to... To, to, there's no geologists around either. Are you guys struggling with that at all? We uh, have ramped up very quickly and there was a bit of a challenge at first to try and find staff. However, we took the approach of that we were looking for um, a really good team of people that were a diverse background. So we do have people that have international experience. So we were willing to open up that way, not just go with the local kind of um, flavor. So I think that we've actually done quite well of gathering staff. Definitely. And we're also a really good team to work with. People like to work with us. So it's actually been a very positive experience. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's a good point. We've really tried to foster an environment where people can grow into the role that they want to. And I think um, employees see this as an opportunity to do something, uh, to, to move into roles they maybe wouldn't have at a bigger company. So we've actually been pretty good at maintaining um, the staff that we have on hand, even if it was difficult to find them at first. And that extends to yourself, right? You're originally a geologist, Ellie? I was originally a geologist, um, went into law school, became a lawyer, 
uh, and now I'm combining those two backgrounds into what I'm doing here at E2Gold. Honestly, going back to site is just, I go often because it's so rejuvenating. You get up there and we've got these amazingly keen geologists and yes. they really kind of give you a good reason again, why am I doing this and what are they seeing? And, and it's so, yeah, it's yeah. great to go up just to re-energize for sure. Yeah. yeah. So right now you've got your second rig turning? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Um, how many people have you got on the ground and what's your sort of active program? Uh, generally, we are between 15 and 20, 15 and 20 people at the moment. Um, that's including prospectors and mappers that are on the ground. In the wintertime, we'll go around to 15 with two drill rigs. Um, and that's just the active people that are in camp. And we also have a staff in the office that's helping that's around five to seven people. Yeah. So it's quite a big team for, for an exploration company. Yes. It's a big team, but it's also because it's, uh, you know, this week and the past couple of weeks aside, a really good market and you have to, you have to go when the market's good. You have to move forward. You have to capture that. And so we're, you know, really trying to make sure we do that and that we don't miss out on the opportunities now. And also um, our yeah. activities are really quite fast paced compared to a lot of other junior explorations. So we're moving very quickly with planning and programs. So we do need people yeah. on hand to help with that. And, and the other thing that you have to remember is that we do have this resource. It's three and a half kilometers long, but, and that's where we're focusing our drilling right now, but the property package is massive. There are multiple different targets on it. Um, many which are quite dissimilar from the current McKinnon resource target. And so we're trying to not only um, drill at McKinnon, but also expand into mapping the other targets so that we can ready it for drill programs. Um, whether it's this drilling phase that we actually get to drill those other targets or not, certainly the one after that we will want to be expanding out. Um, so it's almost, even though it's technically one contiguous property, it's almost like having two or three different properties in terms of area. Um, so we're, 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 we have a lot of people because we're doing a lot of different things. We're doing uh, geophysics programs, we have mappers, prospectors, we're um, rolling out a soil sampling program. Yep. Um, so, yeah, yeah, a lot of activities. Yeah, so that's, that's a lot of data coming in very fast. Yes. You're going to end up with a lot of targets, like you said. How are you going to narrow those down? How are you going to decide which <laughs> ones to follow up, which ones to hone in on? Part of that decision-making process is going to be um, how uh, good the data overlaps that we do have and as we collect. So the more information we might have on one target versus another, if there's many multiple points of data that line up and validate that target, then they become higher in priority. It will also be figured out by access, how easy it is to get to certain targets versus others. And that can in part be seasonal access, of course. It gets yeah frozen in the winter and actually that's better for drilling and in the summer in that area sometimes there's boggy areas and so you're going to say all right we can't drill there this summer we're going to wait for the winter so we'll focus somewhere else yeah and i've just got back from uh, kirkland lake and timmins and there's a beaver dam that's blocked the main river so loads <laughs> of the projects are completely yeah. flooded right now so when it yeah. freezes everyone's going to be much happier yeah yeah Getting definitely was a challenge definitely yeah yeah, yeah. What are the main challenges you face up there, like, apart from obviously the flood now, which is a one-off? Uh... Uh, some of the challenges, definitely uh, the location of the project from the perspective of you know transporting people. However, that is relative compared to other projects. We are not remote. Uh, the other challenges are finding drill rigs. That's always been a bit of a challenge, especially the junior starting up, you know, getting a, a company to come on board with us. And the challenge we're facing right now is making sure that we ramp up in a very balanced way that we have financing people and project um, targets moving forward. 
Awesome. So, what's uh, in the very short, sort of near-term future? What can we expect from E2 Gold? What kind of news can we look forward to? Well, right now we're working on our deep drilling program, which is sort of targeting the resource itself is from surface down to 125 meters. And we're now going below that about 400 meters. We're targeting the 500 meter level. Um, so we're working on that currently. Um, and then we are also starting to drill a long strike of the resource and a couple of geophysical anomalies to the north and sort of off of the resource itself. Um, so that drilling program will take us until the spring. You'll be hearing drill results moving forward until then. And, and of course, after the spring as those results delay and come in. Um, we'll also be doing a uh, airborne survey, a large one on our western claim block um, in, uh, in the fall in about a month, I believe. Couple weeks. Couple weeks. Couple so weeks. that'll be exciting. Um, so that's so really the main catalyst news that you're going to be hearing, though, would be the drill results. So how does this project relate to other projects in the region? Um, well, so Hawkins uh, is interpreted to sit along a very regional shear, uh, shear structure called the Porcupine Duster Fault, which connects Timmins and then um, moves back up north towards Hawkins and then connects down to Hemlow. Um, and that regional trend also goes into Quebec, and people might be more familiar with the twin um, regional shear structure, the Cadillac Lauder Lake Break, which goes in and hits up Val d'Or and uh, comes on eastward or westward into Ontario. And that's important because you get a lot of gold producing, um, gold producers along this regional structure when it interacts with the Greenstone Belt. And that's certainly a setting that we see with Hawkins. Um, and we have seen, uh, just looking at some of the regional geophysical maps uh, that have been developed by the government, you can actually follow that shear structure across the property. So it's a really exciting and important um, regional setting to see a project in, especially in an area where in between Timmins and Hemlow, um, there's really been not a lot of exploration for the past, you know, up until about 15 years ago. And that's when you, got, you start to see a lot more, a lot of other projects coming online in terms of production. So um, like Borden, and Cote Lake, um, and so that area between the very historic areas of Timlo and Hemlo, or Timmins and Hemlo, haven't seen a lot until the past 15 years. So it's good to see a project on a regional trend like that. So I'm going to go uh, super basic now. Uh, we've mentioned greenstone belts a lot and a lot of technical terms there. <clears throat> Natalie, can you? What is a greenstone belt? Greenstone belt, well, the way we describe it to the prospectors is green rock. So when you walk across the ground, you can actually see that it's green. Uh, and it's usually a combination of um, volcanic rocks and sedimentary rocks that have been metamorphosed to what we call amphibolite grade, which is, means it's reached a certain pressure and temperature to contain a certain mineral. So it's, yeah, it's more that volcanic and sedimentary rock and the green color is very prominent. And the Archean greenstone belt that this sits in is a very prominent gold-producing greenstone belt, really. Yeah. Similar to the, the shield in Ghana and Fenascandia, and yeah. it's all essentially the same lump of yeah. rock. Right? That's Just right. In, now it's in different parts of the world. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And if you look at the Strickland Pluton as an example, heart gold is a greenstone belt just on the other side of it on trend with, with our greenstone belt as well. But it's not the actual greenstone belt that's exciting, right? It's the structures that come through them. That's right. So you're, yeah, and you have these shear zones, you have these big regional structures and that. Hmm. 
Yeah. We actually have a have two shear zones sort of confluencing where the pluton and the greenstone belt interact. Mm -hmm. So that's also really exciting. That's mm -hmm. the western part of our property package, which we just staked last year and this year. Yeah. We've done very little exploration on it. We just sent our mappers out there this, this summer, year. Yep. Yeah, this year. Um, and we're going to be doing that airborne survey on that area, but we're really excited about that and interested because you get shear zones confluencing, a pluton coming up, greenstone belt, what does that hold? Yep. Evidence of large-scale folds and yeah. different structures that are very promising. Yeah, large Sounds scale. like somebody should have staked that a long time ago. Like, well, why was it missed? <laughs> Good question. That's actually a really great question. Um, well, this the basis for our property package is a, uh, a smaller part of it that we have been we've optioned off of a private company. Um, and so really it's been in private company hands for a number of years. The original drilling program that is the basis for our 43101 compliant resource was conducted 40 years ago. Um, and then sort of in the 90s, um, Canadian miners went overseas uh, to look at other lower grade saprolite deposits. Um, and so really this region was ignored mostly because, I mean, in some ways you could describe it like a fashion trend. It just, the trend was not to be looking here at these, um, at these deposit, this style of deposits. You also get um, the introduction of heap leaching, um, which was really delayed in its use in, in northern climates. Um, and so once that sort of became like a more feasible way of extracting gold, then you start getting people coming back to North America to particularly Canada and looking at these style of deposits as something that's feasible. Yeah. It's interesting how these just trends in human flow influence what we discover. Yeah. People mm -hmm. forget that, you know, geologists and miners are humans too, and we are influenced by the flavor of the day just as much as anybody else is. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Including data collection, how we use data, what techniques that we use. Um, the developments in, on different type of uh, materials and sensitivity of equipment, that all impacts as well. So areas that might have been explored in the past and in, we didn't have the quality of data or the type of data in order to find something, now we do. And that's so right. that's why that's areas right. deserve a relook. And so that's really where we see the opportunity for Hawkins and investors in Hawkins is this project hasn't had a good look at mm -hmm. um, after 40 years ago mm -hmm. and in this area 26 new million ounces of gold have come into production in the last 15 years mm -hmm. so that means new investor infra interest new infrastructure better understanding of geologic models better technology which we are certainly employing now yeah. um, to take a better look at this area um, so that's that's really the opportunity so you've mentioned uh, sort of new technologies that you're applying to these projects but also you've got like the old timer prospectors out on there. Yes. Which have you found has been most effective so far? Like who's brought you back the most uh, I, targets? I don't think it's actually one or the other. It depends on what type of data and what your target is, what you're looking for. So for the prospectors, they're fantastic at really honing into the good looking rock to kind of focus a program. But when it comes to the data, we have to have very good people that know how to work with data and how to utilize that data and pull out patterns. Like it's really pattern recognition and understanding the data. So it really just depends on what you're looking for. But when we overlap the two, it really works. And actually, just to jump back on that too, is um, you know you really you have things like geophysics that you're using, computer modeling, but then you do need to go and ground truth because yeah. most models are based on assumptions that provide you with a broad range of outcomes. Yeah. And so to constrain those models a little bit more, you need to have somebody go back down. You need the prospectors to say, "Yep, 
that is that is in fact the rock that we're seeing there or no it's not that model's off base so really i totally agree it's a hand-in-hand -hand iterative process and i think that's what we were just we had this big geophysics meeting yesterday yes. um, and the thing that's um surprised me is how much geophysics is a iterative process yes. you know most people think you get your mag data great i have my beautiful map it's got a lot of like interesting anomalies let's drill it but really you shouldn't do that you need to keep ground truthing the data, updating your maps, ground truthing the data, updating your maps. I'm a geochemist, so I'm adverse to all geophysics anyway. We'll, we'll remain <laughs> Aren't we all adverse to all geophysics? <laughs> I mean. The old joke is, uh, a geophysicist says, how big would you like the shiny red blob to be? For your corporate presentation, and then that happens. Yeah. 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 But, you know, everything has its place in exploration. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us today and uh, looking forward to some results. Where's the best place for people to find out more? Um, our E2 Gold website has a really great media center. So if you're adverse to reading and you don't want to, you want to maybe get visuals and um, we've got a lot of videos up there. Um, Natalie and I have been trying to push out a few more sort of educational videos to help investors understand why we do what we're doing instead of just telling you the drill results. So if you want to find out more, that media center is probably the best resource. Great. And you're listed TSX Venture. TSX Venture, ETU. ETU. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Thanks.